Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshow podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Here we are, Richard, here we are doing an off-week episode, something which the way we we plan our podcast is like, we try to avoid as many like miscellaneous off-weeks as possible. If we can fit in like, oh, the Oscars are coming up, let's just do Oscars episodes, we can. We, We say this a lot, but a little peek behind the curtain. We hate coming up with these ideas for non-film franchise Fortnite's episodes, don't we? I, I love coming up with them. In fact, I... Oh, okay, well, you can come up with them from now on then and stop asking me to. Well, okay, I can't remember the, the last one you came up with. Um, well, actually, you film know, you came up with the game. Fight. Yeah, which you, you kind of half came up with and we had to come up with the rest on the podcast. That's podcasting, baby. Yeah, but we... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've come up with some great ones, including today's podcast, as thought of by your boy Richard, joined yeah. by AJ, who did not contribute. <laughs> what are you talking about? Did not contribute? <laughs> I made the little graphic we posted on Instagram. Oh, yeah, and, you, and is- I thought I thought you would have done more with it. Well, I'll do more with the thumbnail. This is that wasn't okay, the thumbnail. Okay, no, hey. I'm just welcome saying. every welcome motherfuckers to the cult popshire podcast um where we talk about movies that's something we do <laughs> we that's talk something about that arguments we've had behind the scenes and we make <laughs> you part of them <laughs> uh yeah so richard what are we doing for an hour today on the podcast <laughs> well be excited about it today i am excited about we're talking it, about fun. something that it's a fun top. We've talked about this. It's, it's a sort of was a segment on our podcast for a while, but the idea of there's gold in them, their hills, which is the mm. phrase that we say when we're talking about bad films, but there is something good in it. So this varies. It could be, you know, a great idea. It could be a great scene. It could be a great line of dialogue. Quite a mm-hmm. one that people like to talk about as a great performance in a terrible mm-hmm. film. And we put the call out to you guys, the listeners, to see uh, what you guys could suggest. We've got a few of our own and we've got a few mm-hmm. of just like the obvious ones that when you bring this up as a topic mm. that people always talk about, I've just Googled great performances in bad films. And so we've got, you know, things like that yeah. to read through. And, and there's, there's something there's something very... Uh, 
I don't know. It's the kind of conversation that that film nerds inevitably end up having, and I think that's what's like yeah. special about it. Like a lot of people, when we posted about this, were like, "Great topic," which is funny because I think this is like I think we've talked about some of this stuff before I mean, on pod. Like it's just it's just come up as you said. Because well, um, we covered a lot pre- of bad films, so yeah, that's it, yeah. true. <laughs> with great stuff with gold in them, yeah, there yeah. hills. And um, I think it's 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 very similar to probably half a dozen post credit scenes uh, questions that we've had in previous episodes. Mm. I think, but we're certainly going a bit more um, deeper in it on it now. And also, the good but, thing about this is that it allows us next time we're doing an off week, we can do the inverse of this, which is correct. That well, yeah, what's a so get get put your thinking caps on now, and about a month we'll come mm. to you asking for this. But yeah, what is a and I, I want to say it's like. Not even necessarily like a, a movie ruining bad thing in a good film, but just that one thing that just sticks out like a sore thumb that isn't as good. One person who cannot carry, you know, the, the same gravitas to their performance mm. as anyone else. One line of dialogue and probably in a Nolan film that just <laughs> sticks out like it because, you know, there's, there's one in every Nolan film. Uh, mm. Yeah, one scene, one subplot. Perhaps an anal sex joke in a film where there's been zero anal sex jokes yeah, up until that things point. Things like that. But, that I, but I think the, but the, the key difference is that, because these are things where we're like, the film is bad. This isn't mm. enough to save the film. And so yeah. the inverse of that is this isn't enough to ruin the film, but it Correct. is a bad thing in the film. And there's another sort of contingent that we could do in, in a third off week's time, which is similar to this one, but it's a this is why we can't have nice things episode mm. an episode on movies with great concepts that got fucked up which it's probably too similar to this actually well yeah okay, anyway. I, I was just gonna close the tab of <laughs> <laughs> movies that wasted good concepts um we, so as i said we have covered a few golden then their hills kind of situations on the podcast there's been plenty of one star films we've talked about that have had incredible songs in them i'm talking about lone dinosaur from whichever land before time mm. movie that was in Friends or santa brought me yep santa brought me you from a cinderella story uh the christmas wish i've also written down here um rob zombies forgotten halloween 2 uh, makes some more of the interesting creative decisions in the whole franchise but is still firmly a bad movie <laughs> i think um uh the per- pterodactyl scene in jurassic park 3 uh, you know the, i'm just rattling off stuff that we've already talked about yeah. um and i think this was a patreon episode i think there are genuinely some very subversive jokes and concepts in movie 43 i've always thought that i thought that before i saw it all properly and was like yeah okay a lot of this is dog shit but those scenes that i thought were funny they're still funny. <laughs> I I don't know that subversive would be the word I would use. I can understand that, you know, a, 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 with a child brain like your own, there's some stuff mm. you might find funny, but I don't know that I'd call it if it's subversive. Maybe maybe irreverent <laughs> was the word I was meaning. But the other one, the other big one that we've covered that will likely be like the thumbnail for this episode uh, because you'll probably just use the same thing you did for the call out. I do. I will not. <laughs> uh, is of course uh, Billy Burke's performance as Charlie Swan in the Twilight movies, which I wouldn't even necessarily say are that bad. Like specifically the first one, really. But the yeah, Billy Burke who plays uh, Bella's father in those films is uh, putting his whole Billy Burkeusy into the into the performance. 
and it's Swanasi. <laughs> yeah, and it's just the warmth that he brings to that character, the depth, the pain that he just wants to be a good father, and mm. she keeps shutting him out. And it's it's an incredible performance. Lights up the screen whenever he appears. Yeah, and look, another thing as well is is and I bring this up as we talk about Twilight is obviously there are differing opinions out Mm. there of what counts as a bad movie. I think Twilight is bad enough to single out uh, Charlie Swan as being a standout. Um, But it's also like it's stereotypically bad. Like it's got a reputation for being bad. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I'm talking about. So we got some, I'm not going to name any names. We got some submissions from various um, listeners, such as as yourself listening um, when we asked for examples (laughs) from you guys, which we're like, okay, well, it's fine if you don't like The Godfather, but I'm not going to be like, we're not going to discuss how this one thing is the only good thing about the godfather yeah. because that's just not you know that we're faking what we believe and we have to discuss these points yeah. um so yeah as you said we've got some of our own we've got some from you guys and i've sort of cherry picked uh the best and most interesting answers that we can talk about but do we want to sh- kick off richard with maybe what's the is there a classic oh, i guess charlie swan's the classic is there yeah. another classic that we can talk about i think there is one i think there's there's one that might even usurp charlie swan as the thumbnail for this episode wow is it that one scene in sex in the city 2 where they discuss uh how tough motherhood is and no, for women who can't afford nannies like them it must be it's so much harder and it's a rare yeah, right. moment of a uh, humility from the gals in mm. Abu Dhabi. No, it is not that scene. That is um, a great. It's scene, not even. Though. It's not even a scene. It's a character, though enhanced probably by a specific scene. Is it? Oh, you're talking, of course, about Matthew Lillard in the Scooby Doo movies and his <laughs> incredible performance of the farting competition with his CGI yes. dog companion. No, no, I am of course discussing, and this must be when you go when you go you this would have come up. I would think any anyway would be um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Along Came Polly. Yes, a movie. A it, movie it is so the top answer that, that, on uh, <laughs> movies with a great performance on BuzzFeed or something. Yeah. So I th- and I think this is interesting because Along Came Polly is one of those movies that ha- is like not even really a flash in the pan when it comes out, fades into obscurity to, you know, 20 years later you see it somewhere and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that movie. And I think to Philip Seymour's credit, he elevates uh, <laughs> that movie uh, a little yeah, bit. It's, it's, he's so good in that film. Like, it, it, what is, it, let's it, see... I didn't realize that he wasn't a comedic actor for years because he's so good in this film. And that, you know, it wasn't until years later that I saw great comedic performances from serious actors. And, you know, he's he's always was able to add a bit of levity to scenes. But his his intro on that, it's still during the opening credits when he walks in and says, best man in the house. And he does this pratfall and it is like, the to this day the funniest pratfall i've ever seen that's incredible it's it's a it's a full body shot of him walking and his his shoes are too slippery the floor's too slippery and his feet just fall out from under him it's incredible and there's also the basketball scene as well where he's he constantly going go let it rain and (laughs) uh missing every shot i also love that i've just shouted uh yeah which uh, did that like bring 
sharted into the yeah right i think that's where like sharted that's where sharted comes from (laughs) yeah sandy lyle is the character's name and he was he's like a former child star in the film as well i think right right um 27 percent on rotten tomatoes and has a Hmm. all-time comedic performance in it but it's Um, also because the thing is that it's like i watched this film and because you could watch it and be like oh phillips you know you know it's phillips Hoffman. i watched this film because i was like oh ben stiller and jennifer aniston are funny and then i was like Hmm. who is this a hilarious man on the side that it's like Mm. yeah it's not just oh it's fun to see philip seymour hoffman do a silly thing i haven't rewatched it now that i like philip seymour hoffman no no (laughs) neither nor have i um and i want to talk about what's so funny about the pratfall scene as well it's not just the physical comedy of it (laughs) it's that he comes out and yeah it's it it comes out he comes out and says best looking man in the house and it's such a confident a positive thing to say i remember um and then he you know falls over he's saying and best I, man in the house because he, he's the best man at the wedding isn't he right yeah, yeah 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 um and i remember being told a story by an old boss of mine where he said he had this memory from primary school where the teacher left the room for like a minute to go do something and some some kid this is the funniest story anyone has ever told me <laughs> like enough that it makes me giggle thinking about it thinking about him telling me about it <laughs> there. right he said the teacher they were like six or seven years old teacher leaves for, for a for a, an errand or whatever for a minute and one of the kids in, in this guy's class walked up to the teacher's desk sat on the teacher's chair and put his feet up on the desk saying all right everybody I'm in charge now. <laughs> and as he did, knocked over the teacher's coffee cup all over the desk. <laughs> Can you imagine being there and seeing something like that? Incredible stuff. <laughs> Once we um went at my old work, the all of like the managers, anyone senior left and like made a joke and like, all right, guys, behave yourselves. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. ha, ha, you know, we're adults. Within maybe 90 seconds. Uh, I was doing a bottle flip and I was like, do you reckon I can do it, make it to that desk? That was, you know, like a solid uh, 12 to 18 <laughs> feet across for our American listeners, you know, three or four meters across the room. Yeah. Um, and I did it, uh, threw it across the room. It hit the screen of the computer, knocked it off the desk, dragged all like the mice and the keyboard and the speakers with it <laughs> off the desk. And it was like... Uh. Yeah, this is exactly what they were hoping wouldn't happen and why they jokingly oh told us to behave ourselves anyway. The computer was fine, but it was very funny that it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you were right. We should have behaved ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, shall we crack it? How do we want to do this? Should we do our own ones first? Should we look at some fan suggestions? Uh, let's first? start with the fan suggestions and then some of ours, I'm sure, will just come mm. up. As, uh, well, the, yeah. this this one will um, pay, pave the way to a larger conversation. This is from Yellow Peachy on Insta, who say, on Instagram, who says, um, The straight-to-video Beauty and the Beast Bell's Enchanted Christmas mm. has Tim Curry as a villain who has no business going as hard as he does. Flame emoji. And listen, Yellow Peachy, you're talking to two guys who have watched 43 Barbie movies and, and 47 Scooby-Doo movies oh, yeah. in which tim curry voices characters multiple characters mm. in both franchises so we are we are well accustomed with how uh tim how hard tim curry doesn't have to go in the voice roles mm. that he does but still does. yeah how many so. other actors are like that i mean like philip seymour hoffman is one there it's like 
I've never seen him turn in a bad performance. Um, mm. Yeah, Tim Curry is definitely one. Who else mm. do people talk about? I mean, Nicolas Cage is the other obvious one. That well, Nicolas Cage is a is a great actor. He just doesn't always have great directors. I think yeah, but he always tries. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what makes him a good actor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then you get people um, who almost never try, like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Unless they have a great director like Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, We've also got the Andrew Harding on Instagram who says, it probably doesn't count because the movie is a perfect blend of schlock, uh, but the scene in Equilibrium where Christian Bale's character hears music for the first time is great. And I wonder if Christian Bale is another one of these actors maybe who I've never, like I've seen him in bad movies, but I don't think I've seen him Mm. be bad himself. Yeah, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, we got John Usher on Facebook who says he's listed a few uh, specific performances. Um, Regis Philbin and has a cameo in Little Nicky. That's oh, yeah. that's apparently very good. Ray Liotta and Heartbreakers, uh, and one which I think is a really good answer to this question, or at least a good movie for mm. mining for this sort of thing. He says, uh, "Rip Torn and Freddy Got Fingered" is next level, and I don't know if I specifically like Rip Torn and mm. Freddy Got Fingered. But there are two jokes in Freddy Got Fingered, which I think are genuinely funny. (laughs) There's the sausage one, genuinely funny. And I've also come to become quite accustomed to the, um, I'm the backwards man, the backwards man, I can walk backwards as fast as you can. (laughs) But the rest of the movie, unwatchable. I literally never want to see it again for the rest of my life. I, yeah, that was (laughs) one of those films that it's, yeah, genuinely. And like, to the point where I don't even care that, you know, people think it's subversive. It's like, because you know, there's movies where it's like, I hate this, but I want to be in the cool kids club so bad. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, I, I didn't even like the sausages Damn. joke. You didn't even like the daddy, would you like some sausages? I didn't, no. Fucking hell, dude. There is no hope for you ever liking Freddy Gottfried. <laughs> there's a little bit of hope for me. <laughs> um, One that I I've talked about on pod a number of times and i was waiting all week for you to be like are you gonna talk about the movie that you always talk about when the subject comes up but you never did which has given me hope you've forgotten i don't know what uh, you're talking about which would be pretty cool there is a 1995 movie richard by the name of casper sometimes called casper the friendly ghost i'm not familiar with i don't think i've ever heard you bring this up Really? Okay, so Casper nineteen ninety five. Have you seen it? I so Casper's an issue. I always thought I've just seen the sequel, hmm. but I haven't seen the sequel. <laughs> I, like as I've gotten older, I realised that I haven't seen the sequel, but I don't think I've seen hmm. the first one. I've seen a live action Casper movie where there's like three other ghosts. Yeah. Fat, so stinky and stretched. Is that Casper or is that this a sequel? That's Casper. Okay, so yeah, no, that's I, Casper. I, I mean, feel they're like I've just seen all half of them. Of it, maybe I think they're in all of them. It's I don't got know. Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman. You tell me because I've heard this story a million times. So, and I'll <laughs> Google um, which Casper film I've seen. So, I think Casper is a real bad movie, but it has a James Horner score, 
And what initially started out as me being like, the score's real good. Like, with a little more craft, Casper could kind of be, like, seen as one of these 90s gems like Jumanji or something. And then I discovered James Horner also did the score for Jumanji. So what I think I'm saying is James Horner scoring a bad movie is potentially an answer to all of these uh, questions if we're stuck, if we're looking for a good one. But I also think that if you were to look up Every clip that the YouTube channel Movie Clips has posted from Casper 1995, you would think it's this eerie but touching, <laughs> underrated 90s gem. There's this there's this beautiful scene where he's um, talking to Kat, who's played by Christina Ricci as she's falling asleep, Casper is, and she's falling asleep as he's like talking about how important she is to him. And he says, can I keep you? And it's a very beautifully delivered line of dialogue by a young Devon Sawa, awesome. by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, and so I always thought that was a really beautiful scene. And there's this other scene where he, he like slowly remembers how he died. Mm. And it's like, Jesus Christ, it's beautiful. He, he basically describes getting pneumonia without realizing it's what caused his death because he's talking about getting a sled for his birthday and and riding it down the hill and getting stuck in the snow and getting really, really cold. Mm. Um, and then previously in the movie, he's talked about how he doesn't remember how he died. Um, it, it's gorgeous stuff. And the rest of the film has the vibe of like a holiday program that you drop your 10 year old mm. off at because you've got errands to run during the school holidays. You know? I, a couple of things. Mm. Uh, it's actually not Devin Sawa who delivers oh that God. line. Uh, Malachi Pearson voices casper devon sawa plays him plays in the human form i human think form i've seen casper a spirited beginning okay which is the director video is a, this is, we haven't covered this on the podcast but no. i watched these out of my own interest about yeah. seven or eight years ago and just before the, we started the podcast just before we started the podcast and um they're not really like connected they're just other live action movies yeah. that have casper in them. see the thing that confused me is that i've looked i because i've i've all i've thought this before and gone i haven't seen casper i'm pretty sure i haven't seen casper but i've seen a casper movie and i always thought I'd seen a prequel or something like that. I had a vague memory that I've seen something. And then I've gone on the page for Casper, a spirited beginning. And <laughs> it looks, the poster makes it look like it's an animated film. Now, if you go, if you look up the poster, you're going to think Richard, you're so stupid. Like there is a live action boy on it, but he's so small. I couldn't tell. But the thing that I've clearly missed every other time I've Googled this is the uh, subtitle for the film uh, or the, yeah. the, uh, the tagline, which is all new live action film. <laughs> <laughs> Michael McKean is in Casper a Spirited Beginning. Yeah, so is uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. I I, I imagine he probably doesn't get any respect in it. <laughs> Alright, what's one you've got? What what's what's a what's a a movie you think is bad but has some gold in it? Uh the so you know you talked about recently on on the Stuart Little episode that the only uh, break you got from the reprieve reprieve you got from the horrific depths of Stuart Little was every time he drove around in his little red Corvette there was a yeah. similar thing I watched a movie recently um, and the only reprieve I got from the low low quality of the film was every time that the main character hopped 
in or on their vehicle. And that was, uh, you might have seen memes of this, but The Pope's Exorcist was not a very good movie. But every time that big old Russell Crowe got on his tiny little Vespa, mm. it, it tickled me pink. <laughs> Is it good though, or, like, or ironically good? It's a good question. It's very funny because I feel I feel well, like it, it's, what we're trying to say my, my is big, ironic. Yeah, yeah. My right. big issue with the Pope's Exorcist is that it's like I can't tell if this film is trying to be funny or not, and that feels <laughs> right. like something that's like here's a joke. Here's a very clear joke. Mm. Um, mm. The the juxtaposition of you know this this very serious man on this very silly vehicle, and mm. so that's the one time in the movie where it's like we're on the same page here. Okay, very nice. <laughs> um, we've got some more comments here. Um, ben Close on Facebook says, uh, think what you like of Agent Cody Banks, but you cannot deny the excellent screen presence of Keith David, a true delight mm. in every scene. Uh, and just in case it hasn't been mentioned, the opening sequence of X-Men Origins Wolverine, mm. an X-Men Origins story so enticing that it fooled me into thinking the whole movie was actually good. This, again, is maybe one of these quintus... Maybe this one is the thumbnail. Which of these are thumbnail worthy? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the and, question and, we're asking. And, the, and I Fucking think knowing AJ Origins, is just going to make the Casper scene up. the x-men origins wolverine opening stuff is yeah that's a classic example of everyone being like this is fucking great is the whole movie gonna be like this yeah the other thing that similar vibe but it uh people aren't as harsh on the film and and i think the film is good is uh zack snyder's opening of watchmen the Mm. the alternate history times Mm. they are changing uh, is mm. I mean I also think I would say you know if you're saying the film is bad that and the creation of Doctor Manhattan sequence are both like yeah. ten out of ten scenes yeah well I think maybe the the opening gets more cred because that's that's like an original sort of presentation of the information yeah, right. whereas the Doctor Manhattan thing is basically like frame by frame yeah comic from the graphic novel uh, yeah um. One that I discovered recently, so and and trying to just to try to like kickstart my brain into remembering these examples, yeah. I went through my letterbox, like all the films that I've watched on Letterboxd, and I sorted by three stars to see yeah. which because three stars to me can either mean this wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, or it can mean this wasn't very good, but there was some spice in it that I liked. There was which some is gold in there, them hills. In their hills. And I think one of the best examples that I can uh, give, and this is, Richard, a very niche thing to say, but I think you'll you'll enjoy it, is have you ever seen Foot Rot Flats, A Dog's Tale? <laughs> I, I haven't, no. So what's the Foot Rot Flats? Uh, Foot Rot Flats is a uh, comics, newspaper comic strip in New Zealand. Yeah, made, and they in, made in a New movie Zealand. It, yeah. Yep, so uh, it's essentially, look up Foot Rot Flats if you're not from New Zealand. If you are, you'll probably know what it is. Mm. But it's it's about a farmer and his dog in rural New What's Zealand. What's the dog's name? Very, the dog's name is just Dog, I yeah. believe. Um, and the cat's name, Bear. Isn't that confusing? <laughs> um, and and so yeah, like it's very it was very popular with sort of Gen X boomer generations. I it's it's I don't dislike it, but it's mm. not a new thing, is sort of what I'm saying. And in the late eighties they made a feature film of it, which is shocking because it's like New Zealand. It's like if they made a Garfield animated- film. <laughs> yeah, but in New Zealand, like <laughs> New Zealand doesn't it doesn't have like 
an animation studio. Well, they do. We do now probably. But in the in the late eighties, it's surprising. Yeah, how do you think they make like, Vigitales, OJ? <laughs> that's true that's very true um anyway the movie i watched it a couple of months ago and it's a bunch of like vignettes that have mm. a very loose connective story <laughs> you're like how did was... they make a movie out of a comic strip and then it's like, oh they did it that's how <laughs> yeah they did it exactly um and I, I wasn't really uh enjoying it all that much but then in like the film's climax where they're trying to stop like um, I think the dog is in the helicopter or something, something like that. And they run to the beach to try and to try and save him. And all of a sudden, I saw something I've never seen before, Richard, which is a New Zealand beach animated on film. Oh wow! And I was like, "Huh, this is really special to me. This like I've seen a hundred beaches animated. I've been to." A hundred New Zealand beaches. But none of them have the shards of glass and the used needles. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the brush, the New Zealand plant life, mm. I feel, is very specific to our beaches. And it was just this thing where it was like this, and it was really well illustrated as well. And I was like, this is probably the best part really of the cool. Yeah. And, and it was, and it's something that like, this is why I enjoy watching old New Zealand films in general is like, you watch like Goodbye Pork Pie, mm. you can see the Auckland Harbour Bridge uh pre and there's but there's no sky tower because it was made before the sky tower was built you know so it's like weird trying to place everything and i so i enjoy watching old new zealand movies for that reason but i'd never combined that with animation before and i don't think there's probably any other examples yeah that's a a good good thing i I thought you were going to say about foot rock flats is that it's a you know even by new zealand standards it's a fairly forgettable film and i think there's not a lot of people that you know other than uh diehard foot rock flesh fans that would defend the movie necessarily but it did produce two of mm. new zealand's most iconic songs uh, slice of yeah. heaven yeah by dave dobbin and herbs is like the da 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 boom da that you yeah, could yeah. sing it to anyone in new zealand and they know exactly what song you're singing yeah. shouldn't you ought to be in love slightly less so but it's still an iconic song from that but the it's not necessarily my one because I haven't actually seen the movie, but one that I've had a couple of people mention uh, is, and I was talking to someone at work about, I gave them the prompt of this episode, and he said the Thunderbirds movie, the the live action one, that right. movie sucks, but he said, love the redesign of the actual Thunderbirds and that right. a lot of people, but, he, but it was, he said like a lot of people didn't like the redesign of the Thunderbirds, but they all just look and feel so much more like functional ships in Thunderbirds movie. But the other thing about it that's a that's a highlight for myself and many others is that uh, the busted theme song that they did for the film, Thunderbirds Are Go, which was their last release before they broke up. And I have... I've spoken to people who it's like, that's all they know of busted is they just real love that one song they did for that movie that was shit. <laughs> These are such great movies to be bringing up. I think of the Thunderbirds live action movie. I'm transported to the like kids section of my United video in 2003 with all. They're always like really crusty looking DVDs and VHS, uh, like that are like five years old. And I. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, like I remember seeing Thunderbirds. Did you ever get it out? Transported. I think I've seen it, yeah. Well, so when you, when you say you don't know Busted songs, you've heard yeah. one. Is Thunder the Thunderbirds live action movie? Is that the one that has the joke where you see a puppet hand put down a phone at one point? I, I haven't seen it. So. Like there, there's an insert shot of someone hanging up a phone, and it's the puppet hand, but they don't like draw attention to it. Oh, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Sam Stanley on Facebook says, although I personally love both these movies, the, the two that come to mind are Peter Dinklage in Pixels and Raul Julia in Street Fighter. There, he's another uh, one yeah. of the quintessential ones that, again, I haven't seen the movie. I've watched a couple of clips from Street Fighter because it pops up uh, all the time and, and these sort of things. The famous thing, he plays Bison and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you killed my family. And he's like, I, yeah, I don't remember that. Sorry. And she's like, what? And he says, for you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. Oh, my God. For me, it was Tuesday. Wow. And that's like, wow. everyone's like, that line, incredible movie, one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, over on Discord, uh, our friend Carlisle uh, threw a TV show into the mix saying that season four of Community sucks, but there's a bit where Beetlejuice is said and a person dressed as Beetlejuice walks past in the background because it's the third time in the whole series that the words Beetlejuice had been said. That's interesting because, yeah, that that's pops up every... I've, I've seen that reference a few times, but I do wonder if Dan Harmon was intentionally cooking that for three seasons, mm. two and three, or whenever it's actually said the first two times. But then... And if he was annoyed that he didn't get to do the payoff, or if it's just one of the season four writers noticed that, yeah. Because I mean, like Dan Harmon, I think, has still said he hasn't watched season four. Right. No, he has watched it. Oh, he like live tweeted it or something, didn't he? Yeah, he, he said it was like watching his uh, children getting murdered or something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've also got um, Rivex, who's got a few examples which we'll go through. Um, as, as the episode goes on, Rivek says, the cards I was given for my tickets for Yu-Gi-Oh! Pyramid of Light. Uh, they also, also say, the gag in Scary Movie 3 where the sheriff's hat gets burned on is, every That card. is a fantastic It's a gag. great joke. And and there are, <laughs> the Scary Movie movies are probably gold mines. We took gold mm. and then they're hills. These are probably shitty, horrible hills filled with gold. Yeah. You know, the... the um, well, how much, how colored- much gold do you uh, like uh, before it's just a hill made out of gold i think it's it's a case-by-case basis and scary movie is decidedly not (laughs) a good series of movies (laughs) i'm not i'm not stooping that but there's the bit in is it three where um anna faris leaves the room and and, uh, leaves the kindergarten and someone throws colored pencils at the door and um uh, what's her name brenda turns around says who the fuck did that that's like that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, same with um the the in the ringer reminds me of that. The when the fuck do we get ice cream? Yeah, the ringer, a movie you borderline can't talk about. That's how. Yeah, you can't say anything <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, and finally, R- Rivix also says the Dunkachino sequence from Jack and Jill. Now. <laughs> this is a great example. I have not seen Jack and Jill, but. 
that's the Adam Sandler movie where he plays a man and that man's sister. Mm. And was nominated I have for seen... uh, worst actor and worst actress at the Razzies. <laughs> I I think the one of the only scenes I've seen from this movie mm. is when it's because Adam Sandler's character is like a advertising yeah, ad agent, sales. Yeah. It, it makes ad agents, and they get um, Al Pacino to advertise a Dunkin' Donuts new combo mm. that he's doing where he walks in and it's it's actually al pacino singing lyrics that are like dunk dunk dunkachino say hello to my chocolate blend and it's mm. like him essentially my bastardizing dunkachino dunka 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 dunkachino yeah. yeah it's him basically like bastardizing all his classic uh lines of dialogue mm. making a mockery of it in a way that i feel i haven't seen in real like at, outside of this before like you really yeah. you really hear i guess like arnold schwarzenegger saying i'll be back in every movie he was in after terminator but like it's just crazy it's like wow this is uh this is one of the greatest actors of all time yeah. sucking shit how interesting you know so i feel and- i haven't seen the movie either but i feel very strongly mm. about this scene as you well know aj um mm. sorry you i'll let you finish your point um <laughs> so the i saw this in isolation and had all these thoughts like wow what a mm. ter- what a horrendous thing adam sandler forced al pacino to do uh, and then the scene immediately following this is adam sandler and al pacino watching the cut back and al pacino going you need to destroy every copy that exists of this burn this and i think that's an incredible joke Hmm. i like if if it was sincere yeah obviously it's terrible but the fact that they have the characters i think that's a platinum joke that is also for the film history the end of the film as well that is the last line the last line of the film is burn this like destroy every copy of this which some scholars believe to be adam sandler's equivalent of <laughs> you know what i think this is my masterpiece from the end of inglorious bastards mm. do you know but quentin, the tarantino, well, quentin tarantino was originally going to play that character who says that line so it's going to end uh. with quentin tarantino looking into the camera saying i think this is my masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> but n- do you know what i mean like that that is a joke that you can only do if you're as famous as adam sandler mm. because you can't get a- yeah, al pacino yeah. to do it I otherwise do it. like yeah exactly i think it's a great joke and i think anyone who says like this is so sad look what al pacino stooped to it's like yeah baby that's the joke yeah the the Come joke on. is look how sad it is that Alpa that the fictional character al pacino has stooped this long yeah. but the yeah. the thing that because I, I i've seen people on reddit and stuff be like you know that whole oh this is this is garbage but yeah i think it's a great into the film as well that it's adam <laughs> sandler realizing what the fuck is this piece of shit i've made but the <laughs> The thing that really fucking grinds my gears about this is the joke is that he goes in to a this is this is the the plot of the commercial inside the movie is Al Pacino playing himself goes into a Dunkin Donuts and he says they go oh Al here's your drink ready for you and he goes it's not an Al anymore it's Dunk and they go dunkachino and then it like launches into the song what's my name dunkachino but it's like his name isn't alp or alpa it's al pacino it's dunk pacino would be the like his name would be dunk pacino and and just and and they just breeze (laughs) over it like no one addresses the fact that that's like 
If you change his first name, you don't take out the first <laughs> consonant sound of his surname as but well. But Richard, they're, they're trying to make a pun with like cappuccino. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a three way pun, and one of the parts of the three way is is has to watch for a bit, <laughs> <laughs> which is is the name Pacino has to sit out for the I rest think- of the jokes. Uh, you get where I'm coming from, though, right? That like I get where you're coming from, but I also don't think it would be like better if it was Duck Pacino. No, I'm just saying, I don't think, do I that joke. Don't say point- my first name is Duck. Like, right, right, right. Yeah. That is like, I yeah. It it just it. I'm sorry, the joke doesn't work because his name isn't Alp Pacino. Maybe that's why. Al Pacino in the film wanted to burn. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's not my name, burn those. Yeah, the... It's because I think a, a Dunkachino is a... is a, like a frappe, right? I don't know. <laughs> so it's actually, I got no fucking idea, dude. <laughs> oh, no, oh, so Dunkachino is like literally just the song. Um... <laughs> oh no oh, so, okay yeah so i yeah because i thought it was it like got a, discontinued recently i think yeah well interesting oh the dunkachino was like oh, wait, it, it's it is a real thing mm-hmm. yeah right it's oh it's, um, it's a cappuccino so yeah it's, i thought it was a rip on a, on a frappuccino but yeah right um Oh, one of our Discord users whose name is currently activity it's usually cheese but everyone changed their names for paranormal activity references um has a really good one i think which is jason momoa in fast x is the most engaging villain of the franchise so silly different and fun i couldn't agree Mm. more easily the best villain in fast and furious and the only in my opinion the only thing stopping fast x from being the worst film in the franchise yeah i I tell you what it made it i i yeah it was. I was talking about this with someone the other day about the upcoming Aquaman film and how I presume it's going to be terrible. But that when doing the press for Fast X, I was able to look Jason Momoa in the eye and tell him that he was great in the film. <laughs> I didn't tell. I couldn't tell him necessarily the film was great, but I was mm. able to say, Jason, mm. you were great in this film. You looked like you're having so much fun because he mm. did, and he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Parasocial activity from Hawaii, uh, I believe is Dan from (laughs) Hawaii, says Skimbleshanks the Cat in in Cats 2019 and a bafflingly chaotic film that takes itself too seriously. Skimbleshanks the Railway Cats musical number shows that Cats could have actually been a great film. It's a hint of brilliance in a clustered pile of kitty litter. I've watched the film multiple times and every single person with whom I've watched loves that scene and admits it's good. Even the people who hate the rest of the film which is every normal person I know. There's an interesting thing. There's a... um sideways i think is the name of the youtube channel that does videos on like why the music and xyz is worse than you thought and one about cats is like over an hour long it's really interesting but he he does even he admits like skimble shacks is fucking great though but the thing that step that um sets skimble shacks apart and this is um a problem with lamers as well as um cats is the, the recording live and then also for lamers especially they were like Oh, on set, you know, we'll have someone there just sort of playing piano in your ear, but you do the performance and then the orchestra will 
play based on your performance. So you can play around with the tempo. You can play around with whatever you want. And then the orchestra will come in. And so they're having to like have bars of different counts and like just things that make no sense musically because they're not performing to a live uh, recording or um, or maybe maybe just like a click track which is what normally you know on those kind of things you would just you would have a click track and you so you get the tempo and everything right and cats there's so many like stop and start and yada yada and um but the thing is that like the guy that plays skimble shanks is like a classically trained dancer more than an actor or like he, he's a broadway talent and so he comes from and, he, and the whole thing is like a tapping, a tap dance thing. And so because he's tapping, the tempo has to, he has to be following the tempo and the beat of the song perfectly anyway, so that he can be tapping the beat and then singing to that beat that he is creating with his body. And yeah. so like, that's why purely from a musical perspective, it's like one of the best preserved songs from the, um, from the stage play. And also, probably already the best song. <laughs> and then you have someone that just really knows what they're doing, didn't buy into Tom Hooper's kind of, uh, you know, go any which way you like with it. And mm. yeah, although the, the one thing about Skimbleshanks, though, is that it's one of the real, like, the, the perspective in Cats, the movie especially, is like never <laughs> clear that, you know, yeah. sometimes the cats are like, oh yeah, if you scaled this up, they would be tiny. And then sometimes it's like, oh, they're about half the size of a human. And then I think in mm-hmm. Skimbleshanks, they're like notably smaller than other parts of the film. Right, right. Uh, Latino spinoff says, the reconstruction of Sandman in Spider-Man 3. I have cooled on my views of the film over the years, but that scene was always amazing to me. The score building up alongside the shape of the man, the reaching out for the picture of his daughter. No dialogue needed. I agree. Yeah, great. So, and also another- that's because Sam Raimi, we know, we know that he didn't want to put Venom in the film. He was only interested in Sandman, and mm. there's a lot of care put into that scene, you can tell. Hmm. Um, Latino spinoff also calls uh, Willem Dafoe as Ryuk in Netflix's Death Note an example of this which I get but also it's so expected and I think mm. when I heard I, like, I, I had some idea of what Death Note was before the Netflix movie came out and when it was announced that it was Willem Dafoe it felt like one of these like the internet casted mm. kind of things um, but yeah, yeah. I, I also like we talked about this on the Death Note episode but it's like he's very much uh, you know like because the the English dub of Ryuk is essentially just doing a Willem mm. Dafoe impression, but the like original mm. intent of that character is actually quite different. Right. There you go. Uh, this is the only movie I'll include that someone suggested because that I, that I think the movie is not terrible, but I, I'll mention it anyway. Uh, Pyramid says that Godzilla 2014, uh, Godzilla spraying nuclear breath down Muto's throat, as uh, a single moment of childlike joy in an otherwise in an otherwise thoroughly unentertaining movie. And all I want to say here is, if we're talking about the great things in mm. Godzilla 2014 that uh, were were underused, we're talking Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. We're not talking. Although the the Muto the breath down the Muto's throat is fucking sick. It's so cool. Yeah, I remember well, that I like being like movie, a stand-up so and cheer not... moment in the cinema. But yeah, yeah so. I like the rest of the film, along with their other suggestions, which we don't need to go into. <laughs> uh, Mike Noy says, The Marching Skeleton Army at the end of Black Cauldron. You seen Black Cauldron? No. 
says, I loved that movie when I was a kid. It went unavailable for years. Finally in college, it came out of VHS. I was so excited to finally see it again. It had built up so much in my memory. And man, did that movie suck. I was so disappointed. The kids were annoying. The sidekick was extremely annoying. All things I remembered liking as a kid, but the marching skeletons at the end were still rad as hell. That's some dark shit for 80s Disney. I haven't seen the film, so. (laughs) (laughs) Craig says... uh, there's a scene in the Emoji movie, a one-star film in every regard, which that floored me when I took the kids to see it at the cinema. The meh Emoji's parents, both meh Emoji's themselves, <laughs> are looking for him through a bunch of apps and get separated. His mum wanders into the Instagram app and ends up in a photo of a Paris street with a fountain and the Eiffel Tower in the background. As she walks through the area, everything is frozen in place. She walks past birds in mid-flight, all the droplets of water, and the fountain are suspended in midair, etc. It is beautiful. The scene is so visually striking that I was in awe of it. Then the emojis start talking to each other and I remembered I was watching a dog shit movie. I I haven't seen the emoji movie, but I watched the scene in isolation. And gotta say, I think, Craig, this is maybe an example of like, you were so bored to tears for the rest of the (laughs) the scene. Because in isolation, I was like... Oh yeah, this is alright. I, I, I imagine this is what most of the movie's like. So if that's the highlight of the movie to such a profound degree, <laughs> then I can't imagine that the rest of the movie is any good. Uh, yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, do you have any more that you want to talk about? Uh, one that we covered on the podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most miserable experiences I've had uh, on this podcast when we covered the Phantasm films. Uh, and... <laughs> You know, I you, just thought Reggie was all right. Reggie was a great, <laughs> a shining light in every one of those but films. But, you know, you can say, even if you say the first film's good, which the first one was pretty decent, but oh, the franchise as a whole, which I didn't enjoy, the theme music is fucking phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that seems to be a, a co- what we're discovering in this is, like, it's often the music that's hmm. the... The, the standout another example in that same vein i'd say the movie and le- for all the fans let me finish before i before you stop listening the movie music and lyrics starring hugh grant and drew barrymore is not a bad movie it's not a bad movie i think it's a solid like three out of five with a heart you know yeah. like it's it's a it's a fun movie but the music in it is great and it's not only great music it's like they've they make an 80s one hit wonder yeah. in it like pop like in the world goes pop heart. goes my heart which sounds so authentic and mm. i think that's so cool that they that's like they created like a forgotten 80s gym similar to the music in josie and the pussycats but that movie is not movie fucking rocks i will also uh, like just music that i mean i my my love for the music pushed me into liking this film but uh eurovision song contest the story of fire saga (laughs) like there was there was quite a few good jokes in there but there's some really good songs in there the husavik my hometown that they like the big Mm -hmm. finale song is great double trouble is great fun which is the one that they sort of like get into the song contest with volcano man yeah yeah ding dong yeah yeah ding dong (laughs) also um that's another one a performance from that film is uh dan stevens as the yes. the Russian entry is, is fantastic in that film. I love when they're like, you gay? And he's like, what? No. And they're like, are you gender fluid? No, no. He, him. He, him. Yeah, and he's like, there's no gays in Russia. 
<laughs> it's so funny. It's like the the first time I've heard he him spoken in, in pop culture. <laughs> Such a th- big thing in our in our real life. But mm. yeah, um, a couple others I'd like to rattle off. Um, it's chapter two, a movie I didn't like and struggled to see why it was necessary. Oh, but the it's angel got- of the morning scene. <laughs> it's maybe got the best young to old casting I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, that's a good except one. for I reckon um what's the girl's name? She should have been Amy Adams Sophia and not Jessica Chastain. Yeah. yeah. I think it's it's it they, that's another example of the internet casting someone was everyone's like Jessica Chastain when Amy Adams, the spitting image of uh Sophia Lillis is right there. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, but yeah, the, I thought the, Bryce Tells Howard would have worked too, I'm sure. No, but yeah, but they would have been just as I don't know. I just think Sophia Lillis and like she's more than just ginger, which is the only common thing that Jessica Chastain and Sophia Lillis has. Like I think Amy Adams has the same like eyes and, and stuff as well. Mm. But I remember like Bill Hader as a grown up Finn Wolfhard is is a great call. I even thought the the Kiwi guy from Go Girls that they cast <laughs> as the fat kid grown up yeah. is like that. They look that looks like what the kid. You know what I mean? Mm. Like body shape has changed, but it's the same. They did so well getting what like mm. a fat kid grown up to a handsome man would look like. I thought, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and one that I never see anyone talk about. This is an AJ exclusive. Have you ever seen um, the 2012 CGI adaptation of the Lorax? I actually haven't. No, that movie has everyone hates that movie. Well, there's a resurgence. It's of it huge on, TikTok, on my TikTok. Yeah, I was I, gonna say. I don't know if they like it though. I think they just think it's. Is there that one the Need girl on TikTok? Do you see Need, her? Yeah, 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 yeah. That movie, I always thought, like you, the the argument is, well, the Lorax didn't need to be a, a feature film, mm. right? And that's fine. But if you have to make it a feature film, I always felt the way they they stretched it out was really authentic to the original story. Like mm. it's set in like this you this dystopia, like it's kind of a utopia, but it's actually a dystopia Whoa, where like the the mayor is selling like bottled air. Oh. And I thought, what a great idea, right? Like that, that like like air has become a something you have to buy. Like clean air, has, mm. it, was, it was shit like that. It was just, it just felt like an extension of the Doctor Seuss storybook in a really good way. And I feel like everyone just hated on the it. book's like, so good. The book's so good, of course. Also, I and remember I just, when it was like really first look at the Onceler in the Lorax because mm. in the book it's just a hand that comes off screen. Yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was cool that the Onceler is just a guy. Like, mm. it makes... I, I, again, I haven't seen the film, but I I might watch it tonight. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the... Uh, I mean, I have got six paranormal activities to get through. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but the... Uh, I know there's seven. I've already watched one. But the... Uh, yeah, I just thought that was like... Yeah, it, it drives the message home a lot more because if you're like, oh, these... You know, if you, if you can blame it on a monster, but it's like, no, it's, it mm. is man that is mm. Mm. causing the uh, apocalypse. Uh, and yeah, and the last one that I wanted to mention is a movie that I looked... I th- I remembered this being like a pretty bad movie. I looked it up. It has 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Uh, but I think this comes from the good aspect of it, wow. right? Have you ever seen or heard of a movie, Richard, called Return to the Batcave, The Misadventures of Adam and Bert? Uh, I've heard of it, yes. So this is a movie starring Adam West and Bert Ward, the stars of the 
60s Batman TV show, who in whenever this film was made, let's say 2006, um, the stars who played the villains in the show conduct an actual evil scheme and Adam West and Burt Ward playing themselves have to team up to stop the guy who played the Riddler from actually being the Riddler. It's very silly and very stupid, right? I saw this, I caught this on TV 15 years ago, Mm. right? And even as, as a youngin was being like, this is some like lame, lame idea for a movie. However, that's only half the film. The other half of the film interspersed throughout is a flashback to the sixties where a super well-told biopic takes place. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, the, the, the future stuff, the stuff when they're old men is like scary movie levels of reality, right, like right. stupid shit happening. But the, the let's go back to the sixties. They get like really good lookalikes for young Adam West and Burt Ward. I think they voice over them as well. So the, cause you know, Adam West obviously got such a, a like inimitable voice, voice. and imitable voice, I guess. I'll come out when they're all gone. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> kind of joke, um, but I, it's like there's a bit you where know like he's doing Bert... both our wives right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit where Burt Ward's wife leaves him because he has to kiss someone on set, and like that happened. You know, like wow. it's it's just a genuine biopic, and it's it's a, it's a completely different movie to the silly stuff that you you know you're buying the DVD because and it did not go to cinema so this was the only way to watch um yeah i don't it's really cool did you do you, you have any more you wanted to go through uh also, it, when you go on batman to the you know, like you, i'm on the wikipedia page for a return to the Batcave, the misadventures mm-hmm. of adam and bert and you know at the bottom of the wikipedia page how it has like the portal where it has like all the other mm-hmm. things um so batman tv series this is specifically for the adam west series mm-hmm. um it has like spin-off productions and then shows and then films. So down the bottom films has four films listed. Mm-hmm. One is Return to the Batcave, The Misadventures of Adam and Bird. The second one is The Wild World of Batwoman, which is uh yeah, just like a spin-off spoof sort of thing. Uh the third is called Bat Pussy, and the fourth is called Batman Triple X, a porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the kind of level we're dealing that's, with. That's of, the tear it's been put in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I've probably got one more I can read, if you, unless you want to no, talk about anything. It. I'm just on the Wikipedia page for Bat Pussy. All right, we're going to end now this episode on one last uh, suggestion from the fans. And I liked this one because it was kind of out of the blue and and true if i haven't seen the film being talked about here but if true like big if true big (laughs) if there is actually something this great in a movie that sounds this bad this is from rivex who says this is a weird one and i don't know if it counts but i maintain that ready for it grumpy cat's worst christmas ever is the best live action garfield (laughs) movie that exists it's pretty badly made but it doesn't take itself seriously there's a lot of very funny jokes grumpy cat makes a lot of deadpool-esque commentary i believe voiced by aubrey plaza in the film um, which is kind of what Garfield does because the audience is the only one that hears him. There's no CGI cat rapping. There's no attempt at animating Grumpy Cat's mouth, which is how Garfield should be. I just think it's a pretty good family movie that gets bugged down with the by the budget and being associated with a meme. Although the budget being low helps it not trying to have the big scope that doesn't match Garfield. And I think that's a good place to end because... Yeah. 
these are the, what what Rivex is talking about here is these. You get too much budget, you go too big for your britches, you end up making an entirely bad movie. But Richard, when you don't have as big of a budget, but you still have a bad script, you have the power then to fall back on tricks and devices and things. And some of those tricks and devices, in some cases, can become a genuinely piece, piece of gold and in, in the steaming. And them there, and I just want to end with a piece of advice, mm. and that is: do not Google the real Grumpy Cat's name. Worst mistake of my life. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Popsha. You can also donate to our Patreon um, for uh, patreon.com slash uh, And if you want to get involved in discussions like this, hop in the Discord, which there'll be a link to in the show notes. We will be going now after this music ends to the post credit scene. Stick around for that, and we'll see you next week for Paranormal Activity. Welcome along, everybody, to the post-credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode. If you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post-credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Uh, all right, I'm going to give us a very fitting one for this episode. As Craig Major has asked, what is the most... Prof- what's a movie with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bad movie where, with one great thing? In it? Uh, what's the most profound bit of advice, life lesson, or piece of wisdom you've ever learned from the dumbest piece of media? Mm. Oh, this is not something I could think of in 10 seconds. Yeah. Do you have an answer? No, I was hoping you would. I was like, oh, AJ's going to have something for this and then I'm going to, oh, bam, drive it home with my witty repartee. I think a pe- this isn't necessarily a dumb piece of I feel bad for calling this a dumb piece of media, but maybe not someone who I'm that big of a fan of mm. um, has a line in one of his movies that I still think about to this day, mm. which is in the movie Dogma, the Kevin Smith movie. Oh, where yeah. Chris Rock, who plays an angel, is talking about religion, and he says, ideas are better than beliefs because ideas can change. Oof. And I sort of adopted that, and it's actually something I think about quite often now. Wow. What about you? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's something from like a YouTube video or something like that that's mm. going to be like, real embarrassing i mean i would say that like again this is a dumb piece of media but like most of what i know and believe i learned from the simpsons (laughs) sure yeah just like i'm probably the same with south park in a lot of ways (laughs) and south park was kind of my simpsons the timeline as if you know compared to you like the timeline's not quite the same as you with the simpsons but like Mm. and i don't like south park anymore but i yeah 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 i i don't like south park i yeah i've never really been into it thank you very much for listening (laughs) everybody